0: You're listening to Never Sleeps Network. Hey, it's Bilal Bakani at BilalV87 on Twitter with your Raw review, and we have new uh, champions. But first, I must take you to the main event, where we were told Dolph Ziggler and The Miz would be signing a contract for SummerSlam with Shawn Michaels in the ring. Of course, eventually, after a very good promo between these two uh, superstars, it turned out The Miz would be facing Ziggler on Raw after SummerSlam, and instead, Ziggler would be facing a legend at SummerSlam, while it was teased to be HBK, a certain post uh, one Matt Riddle has put out on what's been a very busy week for him. Turned out to be true, and sure enough, Goldberg showed up to sign the contract, and he will face Ziggler at SummerSlam, which should be pretty good. Hopefully it's not a long match, but this was well played, and this was a nice way to end Raw. What I thought was the real main event, though, was the fatal four-way elimination match. Why they called it a fatal four-way elimination match for the women's tag team titles, when it could have just been a four-way elimination match. There was nothing fatal about it. Featured the Iconics defending their titles against Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville. Fire and Desire, which they are no longer calling them. Nikki and Alexa. Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss, of course. And the Kabuki Warriors, which if you didn't know... Or the team that's managed by Paige, which features Kyrie Sang, Sane, and Oscar. Of course, this was Corey Graves' dream, as he had Alexa Bliss and Mandy Rose in the same match, so that was pretty hilarious. And to my surprise, despite laying the smackdown early on, the Iconics were the first out of this match, so we were basically guaranteed brand new. WWE Women's Tag Team Champions at the first commercial break, which was brilliant. I, I cannot give WWE enough credit. You build up the Iconics as this strong team that came out firing, but just caught off caught off guard. They're out. Brilliant. So then we continue. Mandy Rose and Sonya, they're out next. They've got their own storyline. It makes sense. So we come down to the Kabuki Warriors and cross-bliss, bliss-cross, if you will. This is where it got interesting. Because, as part of the SummerSlam coverage, I actually spoke to Alexa at around 2 o'clock today. I actually asked her the first question in the conference call with WWE. And I actually questioned her friendship with Nikki Cross. And karma's a hell of a thing. Because, sure enough, Alexa and Nikki, because of their great friendship, became the tag team champions. And this probably sets up a good rivalry with the Kabuki Warriors as... They are the only face team in this division right now. Seems like the natural place to go. And this was absolutely excellent. To all the people who thought that this title couldn't work without Sasha and Bailey. you're dead wrong. And I still think Charlotte eventually will have a place to play in this division. But this was great. I loved it. Um, and, and this was one of the best matches. Well, this is a very good match. I don't want to get carried away, but I loved it. We also had a nice moment to kick off Raw, where the superstars came out and stood in respect of the victims of the shootings in El Paso, Texas and Dayton, Ohio. This kind of cut to the Raw intro. And pretty smoothly out of this, everybody kind of went back, but Samoa Joe approached the commentary desk and was quite upset that he was accused of attacking Roman Reigns by WWE.com. He went back and forth with Corey Graves and Michael Cole. And he claimed he was going to shut the show down if Roman didn't apologize to him. Now, of course, Becky entered, and and that was sort of a way to get around this for now. We'll get to Becky later. Later, we got uh, Joe backstage, apparently bumping into a production assistant who informed him that Roman was arriving. He told the production assistant that they're going to shut Raw down again. So sure enough, after the break, joe gets to the ring calls out roman roman doesn't show up he holds raw hostage for a bit eventually he decides he'll go backstage to meet roman as he's driving up roman drives up opens his door to confront joe then he gets sideswiped side by another car and this was incredibly well played joe goes from somebody who was demanding an apology to somebody who's generally worried about Roman as a man, and we now have this other person, probably Daniel Bryan, who just struck him with a car. And certainly it was this compact car, to a SUV, so that seems to fit. Um, but this was this is very well played, very intriguing, very well done. Not as well done was Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman. They cut their standard promo. Rollins stumbled out to the ring with a chair. Lesnar smashed him, got the chair. After this, Seth got on the mic, questioned himself a bit, but reasserted that he would go after the title and claimed he would beat Brock. He guaranteed it. This was all long and pointless. Like, why couldn't Brock Lesnar just come out and say, I have a cup, so it doesn't matter if Seth Rollins is going to hit me in the groin. I have strengthened the one weakness I had, As opposed to just beat him up and tell us the same narrative. I don't know. This was uh, disappointing. We also had... uh, I mentioned Becky. She teamed up with Charlotte in a weird choice against Natalia and Trish. This match ended in a DQ as Charlotte abandoned Becky because of a quick tag. Natalia was going to hit the sharpshooter. She didn't break it on a five count. Trish, who's Natalia's partner, had to break this up. And it just made me realize, um, why did Trish not team with Becky... And why was Trish not in this match and why did Charlotte not team with Natalia to they have a working relationship this is weird uh, it was effective because Natalia really sold the sharp or Becky sold the sharpshooter she got from Natalia we go backstage we get an interview with Becky talking about Natty and then we get Natty saying she would end Becky's career which seemed incredibly unlikely and I don't know I want these matches. But this was really not well put together and I was quite disappointed. What I did like was Maria at her OBGYN, ladies correct me, and she had an appointment. She insisted her husband, Mike Canellis come with her. It turned out her doctor was actually a referee and Mike pinned Maria. He became the new 24-7 title champion as he headed out to the lobby. Before he could leave the, the, I guess, the OBGYN lobby, R-Truth was there with Carmella. I thought it was Drake Maverick, which is funny. Um, he pinned him. R-Truth used a fake baby to distract Kanellis, which worked, oddly enough. And R-Truth is, once again, the 24-7 champion. This was good. Not too much. I I, I was disappointed Drake wasn't part of this. But it works. Good. I like it. Fun. Creative. Good job. Falling back on what we saw with the US title last week and the gauntlet, this somehow was an excuse to give us Rey versus Andrade yet again. And don't get me wrong, these matches are really good. But the problem I have is we don't have, we haven't had a big storyline with these guys. Instead, we just get these random matches interspersed whenever they need something good, I guess. Rey lost because, of course, Lena Vega got involved again. And you kind of know how it goes from there. The match was excellent. I just... I need a big feud with these guys. Get Ray's son involved. Don't just give me this randomly. It's, it just doesn't work for me. There was initially just a Twitter salute to Harley Race. And then there was a commercial break, which I thought was very weird. Until WWE came back, Michael Cole regaled us with a story of Harley Race, which wasn't really clearly transitioned to a video package about Harley Race. It did, the things just sort of happened back to back. But this was effective obviously this is what you want to see i'm sure there'll be a bigger special on harley race uh later but i was I, you know I, I i know wwe is big on these commercial breaks but when a legend passes away just spend one segment on it don't piece it through a commercial break and then the next thing we get is kurt angle's entrance like harley race deserved to be the start of a segment and probably the end of a segment. Not the end of a segment, start of a segment, but not the end of the next. It was weird. It was just not fully appropriate, in my opinion. And it wasn't the most inappropriate thing ever, but it, just, it could have been handled better. We transitioned directly out of the video package for Harley Race to Kurt Angle, who's... They're in Pittsburgh. It's his hometown. He was going to be the referee for Drew McIntyre versus Cedric. Earlier, we had Angle backstage, where he was interrupted by the street prophets who wanted to have, have milk with Kurt Angle, which made sense. Uh, Drew interrupted the interruption and threatened angle to ref the match down the middle which had no consequence because drew attacked cedric during his entrance so i don't know what the point of any of that was um it was just a chance to put Kurt angle on screen more i guess but didn't even make sense in the mind like why if you are drew mcintyre do you care about how Kurt angle calls a match if you're just going to attack your opponent before the match and it never happens stupid um the good thing though is with this happening it gave Bray Wyatt a chance to attack her Angle. That was very effective. Although, I, I worry that we're just turning Bray into a straight heel. When he has a lot of face appeal, and I'd prefer he attacks some bad guys as well, and just indiscriminately be going after everybody. But that's just me. As we get to the end of Raw, unfortunately, it's all about the men's tag team side. We had the WWE SmackDown Tag Team Champions The New Day, who were without Kofi Kingston because he had other responsibilities and as soon as I saw these guys on Raw I thought okay well the wild card rule is back and wow if these titles were on heavy machinery they would mean so much more because I've seen these titles on the new day forever I don't care and they were taking on the Raw tag team champions the OC who did have AJ Styles this match initially ended in a DQ when Styles attacked Uh, eventually Ricochet came down for the save of course it was restarted as a six-man tag which the OC won anyways under similar circumstances so that was needlessly long but I like the ricochet save, so that was not bad. And as always, the least important part of Raw was the Viking Raiders defeating a couple of jobbers again. None of the commentators could even name these jobbers. This will never end. This is like part 5,000 of the, I mean, I'm joking, of the Viking Raiders defeating jobbers. Um, please stop it. Anyways, that's what I thought of Raw. I'm Bilal Bakani. You can follow me at BilalB87 on Twitter. I'll be releasing my chat with Becky Lynch and Alexa Bliss very soon. I'm also going to be at SummerSlam. I've been approved by WWE, so I'll have a lot of stuff for you guys there. And, uh, yeah, keep an eye on uh, Wrestling-Edge.com for your wrestling news. And, of course, check out the Never Sleeps Network. Lots of great wrestling shows on there, including my buddy Casey Corbin, who's always talking wrestling, and that's a show you might as well check out as well. It's awesome. I've been on it. Jimmy Hart's been on it. they got great guests, aside from me. Until next time, peace out.